Welcome to the GRC Professional Podcast, where we discuss all things GRC. So a banking trojan is a particularly nasty form of malicious software, or otherwise known as malware. In this edition of the GRC Professional Podcast, I speak to Steve Cronin from SecureSoft, who really gives some advice about building secure GRC frameworks, as well as the importance of educating your staff members around cybersecurity threats in order to protect your organization. Welcome to the GRC Professional Podcast. My name is Kwame Slusher and I'm the editor of the GRC Professional Magazine. And with me, I have Steve Cronin from SecureSoft. Hi, Stephen. Yes, good day, Kwame. How are you doing? So we're, today we're sort of really talking about cybersecurity. And I think most specifically, we've been talking about, I think, what we called um, banking Trojans. Am I saying that? Oh, Trojan banking. Sorry, that's the correct phrasing. Um, so I guess we'd really start by getting a sense of who is SecureSoft? Or maybe better yet, who is Steven? <laughs> and then we'll get to what is SecureSoft. Right. Thank you. And uh, thank you once again for your introduction. Um, and uh, thank you for inviting us to join you. Uh, my name's Steve Cronin. and I'm the uh, business manager with SecureSoft. And uh, I've got I've got quite a varied background with uh, with respect to the information and communications technologies industries. So uh, I've been in this industry for almost 40 years now, uh, and that makes me somewhat of an old timer. Though um, having said that, it also comes with great experience. Uh, I started off my early career as in a technical role with one of the big telcos. Uh, progressed through various project positions and management positions. Uh, and studied in the usual manner. I then mm-hmm. uh, I, I then um, became a consultant to Macquarie Bank uh, and to some of the other financial larger financial institutions uh, and non-bank uh, financial institutions like uh, the AMP Society. Uh, and that was in a, a communications consulting capacity. Worked on some projects around the internet with those organisations. Uh, also involved with uh, state and fed gov at various stages then i, I took a, an interest in um, in uh, in a different direction and that was to work with a, a us based uh, geospatial uh, gps mapping company a company by the name of navtech and um, fascinating area moved on from there to then uh, about 5 years ago uh, became interested in cybersecurity and i, I could see where cybersecurity was going in, in respect of uh, both from an, an industry technical development perspective as well as uh, companies needing to have a better understanding of what uh, cybersecurity was all about. Excellent. And um, I guess tell me a bit about the company SecureSoft. Thank you. So uh, SecureSoft, uh, we've been in business for more than a decade. and SecureSoft really are a specialist. We focus only on cybersecurity solutions and being a, uh, a distributor of, of some of the most respected brands in the world we focus on bringing those brands to local market uh, some of your members may already be familiar with the brand names of Avira and GData uh, Avira was one of the first companies that that brought serious uh, business grade antivirus uh, to the world uh, in order to uh, overcome some of the uh, the, the nasty software that was out there. Um, we then, um, SecureSoft then in around uh, 2012, uh, introduced a new level of uh, anti-spam solution 
to the Australian market, and that was through a company called Titan HQ, uh, based out of mm-hmm. Norway Island. More recently, we've introduced uh, a new uh, malware software suite from a, another European company called Heimdall Security. And what's particularly of interest about this is Heimdall Security are uh, specialists in uh, preventing identity theft, uh, account takeover, and banking fraud. Hence to your question earlier on about you know, what are, what is a banking trojan and uh, and why should I really be concerned? So we'll uh, we'll probably talk a little bit more about Heimdall and uh, what they have. Right, right. Well, I guess yeah, we jump straight into it. What what is trojan banking? What is a banking trojan? What is a banking trojan? Well, let's 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 first start by saying uh, I'd like to try and convey uh, the entire subject around cybersecurity and the preventative measures uh, in as much plain speak as I can, using plain language. Uh, we'll try and avoid the use of uh, too many buzzwords or too much jargon. But if I do happen to, if something does happen to slip in there, uh, I'll add just a little uh, explanation as we go. Uh, so a banking trojan, thanks. Uh, a banking trojan. Let's let's roll that back a little bit. Um, what is malicious software? And even if we roll that back a little bit further, what is a virus? What is a computer virus? So we know that in in general terms, uh, if we think of human terms, a, a virus is an infection that gets into your system. Um, uh, you know, often it's not able to be treated with antibiotics. You just simply have to let it run its course, and then ultimately uh, you'll you know, your system will respond. A computer virus is, is a little bit like that. A computer virus is uh, any form of software that gets on your computer which has some form of malicious intent. It is not intended to be there. Uh, so a computer virus can often cause programs to work in manners, in, in ways that they were not supposed to work. Um, but more more often these days, com- computer viruses can open up certain connections from your computer to other people's computers, and those those people can take information from your computer. They can monitor your activity, uh, and this is where we lead to uh, incidents of people losing their uh, bank account details, uh, people's passwords mm-hmm. being stolen, uh, and uh, identity theft, which is uh, ultimately a very challenging area. So a banking trojan is a particularly nasty form of malicious software or otherwise known as malware. A banking trojan is typically designed to infect your computer and take your information, particularly information in relation to your bank accounts, your username, your password, your transaction details, uh, and anything else that the, um, the perpetrator may want to extract from your computer. Great, great. And you mentioned something in your answer just now about monitoring. So, I mean, you can have a banking trojan on your system for a long time and not even know it's there. And that is, yeah, that is absolutely correct. Uh, there are some remarkable statistics around viruses, infections, uh, and other forms of malicious software, including banking trojans, where they can 
be resident on your computer uh, and they can get there by the simplest of means. They can either get there by you looking at an email or by looking at an image or by going to a website that uh, is unprotected or has uh, computer code embedded into that website, which you, which is not directly visible to you. So people can go for quite a period of time and it's only then when either the bank say, contacts you, or you notice something a little astray about the transactions that are occurring, or you may even be starting to get emails from third parties that you have no direct relationship with. It's only at that stage that people then become aware that there is something wrong. Unfortunately, by that time, it's quite possible that you have compromised your banking accounts, uh, potentially lost money, Potentially money has been transferred from out of your account. Um, and so the consequences uh, associated with the time that the infection has been on a machine can be quite significant. Right, right. And I'm also aware that we're calling it a banking trojan, but I imagine that this would affect um, other industries as well, um, in the financial industry and otherwise. You're absolutely correct. And whilst this is prefaced, as, as you're saying, as a banking trojan, really it is just giving a label to another form of malicious software. So um, the banking trojan itself, typically it focuses on uh, accessing people's account details, as I say, username, password. The um, report produced just, just recently in regards to... Um, Australians uh, losing money through uh, compromised email situations or data breaches. It's estimated somewhere in the order of somewhere north of $20 million was lost in 2017 as a consequence of some of these types of activities. Um, it's estimated that somewhere around 30-40% cases of, uh, of malware, ransomware or banking trojans um, are the most prevalent form of that uh, 22, 20, 22 million uh, going out of people's accounts. And so whilst, again, whilst the, the label of banking Trojan is used, it's actually more broadly, it's from uh, anywhere from consumers to small, medium enterprises, right through to large uh, corporations and government. Anyone who has... Um, a computer and that computer has access to the internet, if there aren't adequate safeguards, it's very easy then for uh, malicious uh, threat actors to then uh, infiltrate that machine, that computer, and begin stealing that information. Right, right. Um, well, I guess um, one of my questions was going to be, and why should we be talking about it? But I think it's pretty clear why we should be talking about it. I think the real question then is, are, do you think that industry, I guess the banking industry and any other industry that's impacted, are they having the right kind of conversations about this threat? You know, I, I think it's a really challenging area. I think the awareness is, is there. I think there, uh, I get a sense that certainly there is a lot of effort uh, being uh, applied by large organizations, organizations large and small, on being, uh, on training their people on communicating the message around being uh, safe, around using uh, cybersecurity, using passwords. Uh, there are more sophisticated methods. Uh, and once again, the message is getting through most organizations um, that protection measures are in place and constant reminders about what to do, what to look for, 
particularly around emails and, and other forms of compromise. But I think, though, what we have here still, outside of the protection measures, is we still have the, the biggest risk factor, and that is simply you and me. We have uh, individuals, we have employees who may inadvertently do something. Uh, they may click a link or open an email which has an attachment. That attachment has been infected. It's on the network, and before you know it, you've got a, a hidden problem until the IT people or someone from the systems administration side looks at it and discovers that there has been a, uh, an infection. The infection is propagated through the organization. And so most organizations, excuse me, most organizations face the same challenges, and that is, is you can put up multiple layers of defense, which is the recommended approach. Uh, you can have you can have multiple levels of security. Uh, you can conduct ongoing training, uh, and you can constantly remind through internal communications uh, your employees, management staff, of the risks that are that are prevalent. However, at the end of the day, uh, all the technology in the world cannot stop someone from clicking on a link that looks legitimate to them. Uh, all the technology in the world can't stop someone from going to process an invoice which came in via an email, which was actually a false invoice, uh, you know, a, a business compromise email, uh, and great sums of money have been lost through the very simplest of means. And so where it comes to uh, the approach, and, and once again, uh, in the realm of, of, of internet security uh, and online transactions, um, most people agree prevention is better than cure. And one of the items we'd mm -hmm. like to talk about is how we can go about preventing these things from occurring in the first place. Well, I guess, yeah, that human factor is definitely something that has to be accounted for. Um, but I guess to move away from the doom and gloom, I guess let's, let's look at some proposed solutions. I mean, what do you think is an effective approach to this challenge? The, um, the way in which most organizations approach this, and it's once again, it's this is supported by uh, government authorities such as the Australian Signals Directorate, the Australian Centre for Cybersecurity. Uh, there is plenty of information out there on, about what organizations ought to do. But it really comes down to three or four very, very simple things. Um, most organizations will have in place some form of, of technology that isolates their local computer network from the internet. If we think of the internet still as being the Wild West, you need to have some sort of protection in place. Um, commonly, this, this is referred to as a firewall. And a firewall is a technical device that arbitrates between internal and external communication. You need to, from, a, from an email perspective, you need to be running an effective uh, email anti-spam service. And again, spam is simply any unwanted or unsolicited email that, that arrives in your inbox. And as much as the technology, again, is advancing to identify, detect, and, and mitigate against the risks uh, posed, um, the threat actors that are, that are out there are also using that same technology to overcome those and defeat those uh, defences. So we have in the first place, you have a firewall, and this is a typical defence posture from a technology perspective. There are other approaches with respect to human things like don't use the same password on uh, different yeah. accounts. So make sure your passwords are unique to every service that you log into. Don't use the same passwords on, the, on different machines. You know, same, same rules apply. Um, 
Uh, so back on the technology path, we you know typically have a firewall. You typically will have an anti-spam service in place. Atypically, you'll have an antivirus service, um, and these are once again becoming more sophisticated uh, antivirus to uh, identify, detect, and mitigate against unwanted software or malicious code getting onto somebody's computer and infecting that computer or infecting the organization or stealing data. Uh, and then we move on to other things, such other areas, such as identity access and management, and then the investigative and forensics tools that are available. So there are, there are four, if you like, possibly five fundamental things that most organizations need, need, must have in place. They must have an effective uh, barrier that separates the internal organization from the wild west of the internet, the external communications medium. Uh, they, they must have an effective anti-spam filter in place. Uh, they must have a, an effective uh, antivirus in place. They must have uh, policies in place uh, from an end user perspective to ensure that the end user is is doing the right thing. And finally, our recommendation is, is a preventative malware threat detection and mitigation solution will help bring all of that together in one neat, elegant, easy to manage solution, which is not, which you do not need to have a master's in computing science to understand how to operate. Very simple, very powerful, very effective. Well, my next question was going to be what advice did you have for risk and compliance professionals, but I think in that answer just now you sort of really sort of answered that in many different ways, not just for the risk and compliance professional, but I guess for whoever is responsible for um, implementing these systems. Uh, and I think what would be good for our members as well is, um, I think we were talking about earlier, that next year you might be doing a webinar with the GRC Institute, um, where I think we have an opportunity to investigate some of these areas in a little bit more detail. But yeah, absolutely right. We... Uh, one of the services that we represent from the European company, which is Heimdall Security, uh, this is one that I think the majority of your members should know about. Uh, this is absolutely vital to the subject of preventing banking trojans, preventing malicious content, malicious software from being enabled on and uh, computer workstations. And it's absolutely part of what we see as, as a vital part of those security countermeasures. So Heimdall Security, they've been in the cybersecurity industry for quite a number of years. They evolved from uh, the community of, of, of programmers that are regarded as, as ethical hackers. These are people who go about uh, their normal routine is to identify threats and then work backwards in the supply chain to detect where those threats originate from. And so with respect to Hinder, what we have um, and what we would like to discuss further in our webinar is how the Heimdall range of, of software products can identify in advance uh, threats before they infect an organization's network or computers. So in other words, Heimdall provide a proactive, dynamic, always enabled uh, threat detection service which prevents malicious content from reaching an end user's machine. When I say it's a service, it's a combined uh, intelligence in the cloud using some artificial intelligence to identify threats within the traffic, the internet traffic that is coming to an organization, 
and then it applies intelligence to prevent that internet traffic from reaching an organization's network or end-user computer. And it's very easy to see through a simple console, through a simple user interface, what is going on in terms of the numbers of viruses, malware or infections that have been blocked. And it also does a, a very powerful job in terms of automating uh, software updates, which uh, otherwise might expose vulnerabilities or exploits within outdated software. And so there are some of the things we'd like to cover off on the webinar that will come up early in the new year. Excellent. And members who are listening to this podcast, um, there'll be a link to the events page in this podcast. And also, if you follow the events page, you will see this event come up and then you'll be able to click on it and register it. Um, another thing I think we have to cover here as well is looking at, I think there's a membership offer also that will be on the website. Could you tell me a bit more about that, Steve? Yeah, thank you, Kwame. The, the member offer that we would like to um, propose there is, is that uh, we will make the Heimdall software available at a discounted rate to all members. Uh, we have options for one year and for three-year license agreements. Uh, we will make it, we'll put up the details on the website. That'll be up there shortly as well. Uh, so this will be at a, a special price, somewhere in the order of 20% under the suggested uh, retail price. Uh, and we would like to see as many members as possible take up this offer. There's also the offer of free training that comes along with that. Uh, we will help every organization set up uh, their systems to uh, fine-tune and optimize how this service can be performed and to extract the most value out of it. Uh, we will provide all the training and support from SecureSoft uh, and we'd be more than happy to uh, take any questions or inquiries um, either through the GRC Institute or directly to SecureSoft. All right, excellent. And for anyone listening, um, any if you want any more information on SecureSoft, um, there will be a link and the show notes of this podcast where you can follow the link and see what they offer and what they're all about. Um, and I guess, you know, we were talking about banking Trojans in this particular podcast, but I imagine there needs to be a series because there's so many other cybersecurity threats um, that people need to be aware of. <laughs> Absolutely right. Um, there's also the legislative uh, and compliance obligations around the mandatory uh, data breach notification scheme, uh, uh, of which, once again, uh, we have ways in which we can assist organisations. We, um, unfortunately, we see that that um, the sophistication of uh, the uh, attacks in the cybersecurity domain. The sophistication is, is becoming, in a sense, more sophisticated. Uh, and so we are endeavouring uh, to be ahead of this cat and mouse game. And we'd be uh, very much um, would like to continue another series of uh, podcasts with you. Well, thank you very much, Steve, for your time this morning. And hope to speak to you again soon. Thank you, Kwame. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to the GRC Professional Podcast. This podcast was produced by the GRC Institute and the original music was written by Rob Neary.